Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. By the end of the episode today, one of the ladies joining us will be treated for hepatitis. Another will be rushed to the hospital to save a kidney. And another will be set on fire. And yep, there's a lot of fighting. It's all about girl power today. Join us. Welcome to Chasing Evil. I'm Chris Gonsick, and my guests today are three senior badass female deputy marshals. A new obstacle must be a Tuesday. They had to prove themselves to everyone every day, sometimes with mixed results. But to quote from one of my favorite films, Home Alone, they were thirsty for more. They all started their careers in a very dangerous place they lovingly call Super Court. Super Court, that's the name we've fondly given it. It's actually Superior Court um, of the District of Columbia, is unlike any other district in the Marshal Service. It's kind of famous, really. We are by far the largest district, and we deal with a lot of things that most districts don't have to deal with. Super Court is essentially kind of like the city courthouse, just because of how D.C. you know, is in a state, there's no sheriff's office, that we wind up running. Uh, so we deal with everything from poker charges, to, which is possession of open container, to homicide. The other category is lockups. So unlike other districts, we get people that have just been arrested fresh off the street. All those people are in our cell block, and if you walk through our hallways, it's a circus. I mean, it's an absolute show. You go on the first floor, and like... You know, there are families and there are fights. That, I mean, we get called all the time to fights in the hallways, just all-out brawls of 10 or more people that we wind up having to deal with. Domestic violence court. We have juvenile court. There are all sorts of things that happen there. Now, I think it's important to emphasize that we'll be talking about the super court that used to be. It's not that way today. A lot of those problems have been fixed. But I just want to make that clear. We are not using... The actual marshals' names today, they will keep their anonymity, but we will get their story. Today, we have chosen names from the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We have Deputy Marshal Valkyrie, Deputy Marshal Rogue, and Deputy Marshal Storm. But before we go to Super Court, we're going to start right at the beginning at the Academy. And it's worth noting that the Marshal Service is a bit different from other federal law enforcement agencies. Because of their various missions, there's much more of a physical component to their job. So when you went to the academy, were you told, look, you guys are going to fight. This is the Marshal Service. You're going to go hands-on. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, they pretty much, like, when we first got into the academy class, we're like, okay, where are my super court guys? And we, like, raised our hands, and they were like, get ready. Like every single different class, like if it was DT, like get ready, you're gonna be fighting. Get We're ready. Like, what is what does that like, mean? It's, yeah. I thought it was super. I was like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> uh, let's go. So, when you were growing up, 
Now, I know I've spoken to Deputy Marshal Storm, <laughs> uh, and Deputy Marshal Storm told me, you know, when I was younger, I was a little bit of a brawler. Is that, uh, is that fair to say? That's fair to say. Yeah, I have very strong opinions, and that often led me into physical <laughs> confrontations. So but I never got kicked out of high school, so I think that's good. That's a, that's a, that's a plus. That's a win that's for a me plus. and my family, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and what about you? I, I was the exact opposite. I, um, I, I had very little confidence growing up. I was a complete pushover. Anyone could take advantage of me. It, you, you tell me to do something, and I'd do it, even if it was, you know the wrong thing to do. Um, and, and that's probably why my parents were like, you could never survive this. Um, and then <laughs> I, I actually credit um, my best friend. She, she gave me a backbone. Um, I, I met her after college and she basically was like, you've got to start sticking up for yourself. That's how I survived the academy. She, she gave me that backbone. I, I still to this day am that happy-go-lucky or I'd like to think happy-go-lucky um, nice person with an evil side. You're by far the nicest. Yeah, I, I actually would hesitate to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Uh, what and, and what Val- were you like as a yeah. child? <laughs> I need to know this. <laughs> yes. I, I think that's an excellent question. I'd like to know the answer as well. Uh, so, uh, somewhere I went wrong. I feel like no. My mom raised me to be the nicest child ever, and I was for a while and then at some point I mean I was a total tomboy the entire time and then there were just times like uh, I felt like I think I was friends with a lot of people that wound up being like outcasts and I really hated to see them get bullied and I found myself getting into scraps with people kind of so I had a couple fights that I wouldn't say they were pretty by any means. I'm pretty sure I got my ass beat by all of <laughs> But I tried. So, um, yeah. All right. And so then when you get to the academy, what do they do to prepare you for the physical? They beat the crap out of you. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't think it was that bad. No, they do this thing yes, but called. That's, by the way, that's what the brawlers say. The, you I've know, never been in a fight before. Yeah. And I remember in one of the DT sessions, they were having us... Um, you had to hit your partner in the head. I was one of two females in my class. So it was 46 guys, two females. And what year was that? 2009. Okay. Um, and I remember having a partner, and we ha- you had to punch each other and slap them in the head. Um, and my partner was a nice guy, and he didn't want to hurt me. Because um, these are your friends eventually. Um, and I remember the instructor stopping the class and saying you better hit her as hard as you can, because if you don't, I will. And the entire class had to watch while this guy slapped me throughout my head, and you've just got to take it. Now, did you feel that, in hindsight now, going back, was that important training? Extremely important training. Um, to, to be shown that you can get hit, and it really isn't that bad. Um, you can bounce back really quickly. I thought the training was incredible. I, I thought they did a great job. Um, I thought everything was effective. The, they were really hard on you for a purpose. And now you're going to this place called Super Court. On day one, you are a female deputy out of how many deputies? How many females are there? Three others. Out of how many? Between 70 and 80 deputies. Okay. Women are still quite an anomaly then. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, only... One of the females was like across the street, so there were only like two others in court. Wow. Okay, so two out of eighty, and and how many for you? There was probably a hundred deputies by the time I got there, 
and I think there was three of you guys, and then I would make number four. That's it. Yeah, I think I would be number four. You know, the microphones are really sensitive, so they do pick up everything you say. <laughs> you can edit it out. <laughs> I don't know any more Marvel comic names. <laughs> you wouldn't know who you were talking about anyway. Yeah, like, I would be like, don't you know Captain America? So, uh, I think I think I was number four. Okay. And how many, how many when you? I think at that time I was number five. Someone must have left and someone came in between you and me. Yeah, um, I think... Yeah. So as, as we'll come to learn then, Supercourt was not really equipped to handle female deputies then. No. Okay. Or female prisoners. And that was part of the problem. That was the big yeah. problem. Right. So tell me about day one. I mean, day one was pretty uneventful. Now, How old were you? Uh, 23. So 23. Okay. Yeah. 22. I'd like just turned 23. I think 23 or 24. You're the mature one. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, but you come in, I mean, you come in your suit, you're all ready, and then you see, like, the front of the courthouse, and I'm like, you're, oh, great. Oh, my God. Because the front, like, people like to congregate out there, and at the time, there were, like, these bushes and, like, filthy. Um, is that going to so, be a reoccurring so theme, is filth? To, is yes. filth going to be a yes. reoccurring theme? Yes, and so theme? you had to, like, get through these people to even get into the courthouse. Our locker room is like a closet in the break room that we had to move the table to get to, and there were only like four lockers in there. This, yeah, is, like this was the female deputy yeah. locker room. Like if the guys were eating lunch, you we couldn't. couldn't go in and change in our locker room because it was in the middle of the lunchroom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can you please move so, your leftovers so I can change? Yeah. And so you come in, and they kind of just give you a quick like, walk around like I think we walked through cell block and you just see the chaos that is that cell block and the smell and the sounds and they kind of just walked you around the courthouse and I think we did like a jail run that sounds right which is what yeah uh just showing us like how to like basically where the jail is in case we have to transport the prisoners there and I think that was kind of the first day and yeah. basically the next day you walk in and you're like assigned to a courtroom <laughs> like have fun it is on the job training Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, day two, uh, Deputy Marshal Storm, tell us about day two as a I fresh, failed <laughs> as a fresh faced uh, Deputy Marshal new to the Super Court. Yeah, I failed miserably. I get assigned a courtroom. Okay. I bring I don't know maybe twelve people up to court. These are. 12 male prisoners. Yes. They're not fully restrained? They are. So I pull them out of the cell with just leg irons on, and okay. then I put the restraints on them. Handcuffs. Line them up against, yeah, handcuffs. Okay. Line them up against the wall. You put handcuffs on them, and then bring them upstairs. And then there's two, usually two cells behind the courtroom. Right. And they'll stay back there, and then every time the clerk calls one of your guys, you go in and get it. Okay. So I had a list of my guys, and at lunch, I had to bring them back down, and... When I did, I had them all come out of the two cells and they line up and I'm like, 11. I'm like, looking back at my paperwork and it says 12. I'm like, how did I lose a prisoner, a, a human being? So second like, second day, second second day, day you've day. lost a prisoner. I'm like, where did he go? Like, these, I know that they were locked because I just unlocked them and they're all lined up and I'm like, where did they go? And, and the so, second day, you have no one supervising you. No one. I'm completely by myself. And I'm like, I swear to God. And I'm looking at the thing again. And how did I get this wrong? And so instead of doing what I should have done and said, hey, come out here right now. No, I walked in the cell 
and the guy was hiding up against and like before, the hard corner. And before we, we get to what happens, walking in the cell is how big a no-no. Huge, <laughs> like day one of the academy. Don't walk inside the cell, probably by okay. yourself. Probably worse in that circumstance since the other people were out of the like yes. behind you now. They, they, yeah, exactly. Now I have eleven but, prisoners lined up behind me too that could have just like. But there, there are I mean, definitely times we went in the cells. Well, right. we went in the cells a lot more back then. But I'm not. Yes. But but if, just so I get this right, this is day two. Yes. You're 22 years old. <laughs> yes. You have just gotten out of the academy, and they're like, hey, here are 12 guys. This is on-the-job training. At its- they hand you these antique-looking giant keys the size of your head and say, good luck. They were dungeon keys. Yeah, right. they yeah. were dungeon keys. Okay, so yep. now you make a, a mistake uh, on yep. your second date, which is bound to happen. So I learned, because he jumped out of the corner, and we started fighting, and... Thank God the other prisoners said, I don't want any part of this. So and they when you stayed say, there. And when you say you, he jumped you and, and you started fighting, what was his, was he aggressively just trying to wail on you for fun? I I would have to ask him that question. Okay. But uh, yeah, he just wanted to beat the crap out of me. Not really sure why or if that's his thing. I don't really know. I don't remember what his charge was. So I just tried to yell loud enough for the clerk to hear me and she'll pick up uh, hit like a panic button and then all the deputies come running up from the long room but if you're on like the fourth floor they have to run out of the long room down a hallway and up four flights of escalators to get to you is he formidable i mean yeah he was he was a pretty equal opponent you know <laughs> i feel like all people own. are formidable if they're trying to get out right <laughs> yes but there was there was no altercation that had happened to no, you guys earlier he where he's like oh I got, I got you he hadn't said a word all day he didn't taunt me he didn't even have his court hearing yet silent just and so this plotting his move <laughs> yeah, just, this unpredictability then is something that you that you are going to have to deal with you don't know what people have been going through what might be in their bloodstream that's a yeah, that's like, a little scary i'll let the girls correct me if if they think i'm wrong but in my experience, you you think, I thought in the beginning, oh, I'm bringing a homicide guy to court. I got to really be on my toes. This guy's going to fight me. He's going to do all this stuff. And he would be like, good morning, ma'am. Like, really polite. Bring me to court. And then I would bring somebody wanted for DUI, and they would go wild. I brought that up the other day, actually, because we were just doing a briefing. And I said that the worst fights I have been in have all been misdemeanor cases in misdemeanor courtrooms, essentially. Right. Right. So don't think just because it's a misdemeanor like charge that the person's nothing to worry about. Cause. And so they got up to you and they pulled him off. The 12 guys that are sitting there watching did what? Nothing. Stood there. Stood there. Which is great. Fortunately, right? Absolutely. They, they wanted no part in it. So they just stood there and let it happen. And yeah, they pulled the guy off. I mean, I thought I was fighting for four years. It was probably 10 seconds. That was, that, was it. Was that terrifying? Because yeah, I mean, this wasn't the academy. This is for real, right? Yeah. It, it was terrifying wondering at any time, are those guys going to jump in? Right. Or how long is it going to take for guys to come help me? Because I right. hadn't worked there yet. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it. We don't charge them. We don't. Then we just grab them and put them downstairs. But that's and, what we used to do. And there would be some people that would have that experience and say, hey, thanks very much. This was fun. <laughs> Bye-bye. Right? But not you. No, I was like, okay, well. Day two. Day three. <laughs> Learned that lesson. Yeah. Won't go in the cell. Got it. Write okay. it down. <laughs> Lessons to live by. Valkyrie, your second day. Uh, second day, I was in C10. 
<laughs> that explains okay. everything. Well, explain C- it. Explain it all to us. C-10. What C ten is? Oh, okay. So C ten is our arraignment court. So that's it's one courtroom that all those lockups have to come through. So essentially, it's one courtroom that can be seeing like a hundred people, and they used to used to like line them up basically on the side of like because we have a person in that courtroom who's kind of keeping track of everyone. And you'd like line them up there and there'd be some like sitting down and the galley behind you would be full of people and you'd have like four of us like kind of standing on the floor maintaining uh, security and it's one the one well one of the few courtrooms that we actually release people from so they'll go in front of the judge and if they get released you basically take the restraints off there in the courtroom and they walk out and if they get held then they go back so it's also a courtroom kind of that we went up fighting a lot because they have hope up until that moment when the judge is like, no, you're being held. And at that point, like, they're like, oh, screw this. And then they start fighting. So that's basically what happened is they had a guy who must have been like on PCP. He was on something. He fought like a superhuman. Uh, and I th- it took like all of us to essentially even get him back to the doorway. And it seems like nothing hurt him. Nothing was affecting him. I mean, we were like doing everything. Uh, it it was just a mess. And it was ugly. how many other marshals were there on that? Particular? Oh, I mean, there must have been at least probably four others. Oh, on that okay, line. and and a lot. Grown ass men. He was just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some grown ass men and you. Yes. And I won it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't me at all. I don't think I made any difference. <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean. And he was, and he was just, and he was fighting. He was wailing. He was swinging. Yep. And that's what happens. Which gives rise to the question: If there were more mental health professionals, are there people that, oh, you know, that that's a guy that somebody would have liked a mental health professional to talk to, and that mental health professional would have gotten their ass kicked? Yes. Oh. There are some. There are some people. <laughs> Take a second to think about. I it. I didn't realize that was the direction you were going in. <laughs> yes. No, so I mean, because I feel like having been on evictions. I'm not saying I'm the best, but I think I'm pretty decent at talking to people that are going through various mental issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something you kind of learn. And there are going to be people that no matter what you do, you're going to have to fight. It's just, just that's the nature of the beast. Like you're not going to be able to talk everyone down because unfortunately there, some of them are just in situations that, they can't even recognize what you're saying to them. So unless it's a mental health provider that is going to, I mean, I just had a fight not that long ago where essentially they wound up having to, the person was so wound up, they had to sedate them. And even then it took like four people to get them onto a gurney so that they could get them to a mental health like provider. So uh, you're, just, you're not always gonna win that one with right. talking. Why do, you, why do you think that, that some people are so convinced? I mean, one, I think because it's a prettier solution. Okay. Nobody likes force. I mean, I don't think we don't like using force. Nobody wants to like have to do that. What, half the time we get hurt. It's exhausting. You get bodily fluids on you. It's gross, like mm-hmm. whatever. Sometimes talking to someone requires you to not use force when you're justified to use it. Mm-hmm. You have to like recognize that, okay, let me put forth some extra effort maybe i can still turn the situation like it 
it requires a lot more effort. It requires more time. Like sometimes you're in a situation where you don't have that time. Like you have to get the person out of that place or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just, a, it's not that simple. There's a lot right. more that goes into it. So essentially, yes, there are times when it would maybe, you know, a percentage of it, it would decrease the amount of use of force incidents, but there's still going to be a lot that. I think can't. it's just like she said, it's a, prettier picture and on the surface um but a lot of these people that maybe feel that the mental health professionals should be in the field and be on the front lines they've never been in a position where they've had to fight for their life Mm -hmm. um so they're coming across as oh well you can just talk to someone and they're going to listen because who you know everyone has to listen to you know people in charge or everyone listens to police officers or de-escalation, de-escalation. Me- methods will it's, will work yeah they're naive to think that the world works in that way um and a lot of times and i i've experienced this with family and friends who know what i do and they try to argue against um certain situations and they've never they've never experienced anything that we've experienced um right. they, they have nothing to stand on and until you're in this situation i i get why people say well why can't you do this well why can't you try this first but then when you're in this situation you realize and you have three people here right now that i i know well enough to say are not i'm a cop so i told you to say that right. that's not how any of us act we're right. like hey listen you got to go to court I don't want to drag you. Let's walk on your own. I mean, we're all people that are going to try to talk it out. And some people just don't care. They're going to punch you in the face just to punch you in the face. And you have to understand that we all have every right to go home at the end of the night. Right. And so that's what has to be in our brains, too. Right, right. I mean, there's a big difference. The mental health thing. So you have people that are just having a bad day where mm-hmm. I can see with those people potentially like the talking works. But yeah. there's a group of people that I think some regular people have a tough time accepting is that there are some people that are bad people. Like they're just bad people that want to hurt people. So those like, you know, that's like having a sit down with ISIS to some extent, like (laughs) it's pointless. You know what I mean? Like they get enjoyment sometimes from like hurting someone or whatever. So there are effed up people in the world. There is no doubt about it. But uh, let's get back to uh, early super court in your early years. So day number two, that was an an inauguration for uh, for two two of you. And Deputy Marshal Rogue, it it took a little longer. But it was interesting when I asked you, I said to, uh, to you when we first met, I said, how long did it take you to get punched in the face? And you said, Felicia. And I said, whoa, that's a knee-jerk reaction. So I had gone hands-on. What's her name? I know. Oh, I remember her name. Um, I had gone hands-on before that. It was more, um, I I had never been legitimately punched in the face in my life. And this was after, there were new security protocols going on in our cell block. This was after a deputy got stabbed in the cell block. The vagina Um, vagina knife. Yes, the the vagina knife. We'll talk about that. Yeah, um, we, will t- we will talk about that. <laughs> so this was after that. And so um, they had a, what's it called? Like the boss chair, the one that yes, you have to that sit people sat on. on. I, I think so. I think it's called the boss chair. And okay. you, you sit on it and it's supposed to detect metal even inside of your body. I was helping out another um, deputy trying to find one of his prisoners to bring her up to court mm-hmm. for him. And, and I kept, you know, I was asking the different females, hey, can I, can I check your wristband? What's your name? And... I went up to her, hey, can I check your wristband? What's your name? I said, okay, um, I'm going to try this again. Uh, show me your arm. 
let me see your name. I think at that point, I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to reach for her hand um, to, to check her name. And I guess with the other hand, and this was my fault. I wasn't paying attention to her other hand. She came and she swung and she punched me right in the mouth. And, you know, I remember like turning my head. And by the time I turned back around to try to go hands-on with her, she was already on the ground. All of the other guys that were there had her down um, to handcuff her and had that situation under control. I do remember that. And then I remember some of the other guys coming up to me later and saying, congratulations, you've been initiated. <laughs> it's like, you finally met, made it. And I mean, I just remember being very proud thinking, oh, I, I've i made them proud. Now they like me and, and they think I can handle it. And right, right. you know, I've done it. Right. Um, now we were, gonna, we were gonna move on, but it's very hard to when someone mentions vagina knife. I'm going to be honest with you. Let's just talk about that because I did experience a little of this. Uh, a vagina knife? <laughs> no, but thanks for jumping in with I that. some strange uh, days. <laughs> checking people when they first ah. co- come in. But searches. Searching. searching. Oh, yeah, because yeah. searches back in the then were way different, too. Yeah. Sort of. Oh, they're more, more or less invasive than they were? Well, not as far as invasive, but just because of sheer number you were doing at a time and being so outnumbered. Because we used to do, like, line up, like, 30 people on the back wall, and they'd be unrestrained so, waiting. And that's when, like, also when half the fights happened. Oh, yeah. There's that long haul. Yes. And you are you bring a number of prisoners who are coming from the jail to court. Or from CC, like, lockups from CCB. Okay. And all of these people have to be checked for... Search. Every single one. Weapons. Right. And they will be individually searched by a deputy. Correct. Yes. Right. And I had the pleasure Mm -hmm. when I visited Supercourt, they said, look, we have a uh, very invasive way that we uh, frisk everybody. I don't think we use the word invasive Um, ever. Okay. Uh, Perhaps that's an interpretation of the person who went through it. But apparently even Metro, I guess, uh, Metro DC does not use the same technique they don't search the groin area right which is why we find everything correct including guns and they have and ipads <laughs> i and, once found a box iPad. of apple juice hard candy i, I could have sworn someone found like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich under you know, someone's old boob. school like milk cartons it was apple juice and it was under her boobs oh wait the pouch yeah, no, 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 oh. the actual, like, cartons. Oh like, you know, the 2% milk, it was apple juice. I'm like, why do you have this? She Good goes, I might get thirsty. Good for her in being able to do Honestly, that. well done, ma'am. Well done. <laughs> um, I'm going back to the iPad. Because I have an iPad. I, I There's not I a... actually, I mean, I didn't search that. It was a mail. Okay. I just remember the day it happened. I, I, but, but I still don't know where like you put it. The, I, I mean, I have a 12.9, uh, you know, the big one. I, I, I wouldn't know how to do that. Y- uh, you haven't seen some of the body types that come through okay uh you could hide a lot of things in some body types also say that a lot of times people they would wear multiple layers and so some agencies uh may may not search every single layer they may just do an initial pat down but at least when we went through you had to go down to your base layer basically if you're wearing three pairs of sweatpants and a pair of jeans and snow pants you've got to go down to that first level of um, sweatpants. Right. Oh, yeah, winter's a special time. Oh. <laughs> the smell that's captured, too, when you start peeling those layers. You can't describe that smell. It's like a punch in the face. Sometimes that base layer is stuck. In Supercourt of the old days, you're swiping men? Yes. Yep. 
The only thing we don't because, do is strip searches of men. Correct. I mean, because essentially we were forced into a position where the men were vastly outnumbered. And so for us to just stand there and watch as five guys try to search like 30 seemed ridiculous and unsafe. And you were just trying to get these guys searched so you could get them. Plus, like, step backs, too. If you're in a courtroom and a, a person gets stepped back or we're arresting them, essentially, or taking them into custody, uh, I'm going to search that guy because I can't put him in a cell without knowing if he has stuff on him. Right. There's also some so. level of, as a female, having to prove yourself and be a team player with the guys. You don't want to just right. also true. stand around. Yeah, you just don't want to stand around and say, well, I'm a girl. I'm not going to do this. Right. Um, well, you can't do right. that. Here you are, obviously vastly outnumbered, both with prisoners and with uh, with other deputy marshals. How much pressure did you feel that you were going to be judged? You were going to be judged by the prisoners because you were female, and they judge everyone, but maybe particularly they judge they judge the females, and then inevitably, even if you were a guy, but again, the female factor, that you're going to be judged by your male counterparts. This is somebody that I can depend on when things go bad. Did you feel that, you know, when you came in and how did you, how did you deal with that? I mean, absolutely. And unfortunately, I mean, I think kind of with a professional, like, I think we all do it anyways, to some extent, like you want to know if you can count on the person next to you, you like you just size people up, like, are they a threat? Are they right. not a threat? Like, I mean, I had been warned before I even went to the academy, essentially, like, you're going to have to be like on point because people are going to be looking at you more, more so than the guys. So, I mean, I expected it. Uh, I knew it was going to happen. I definitely think it, it did happen to some extent. I, like I said, I understand it because of how super the nature of super court, you know, everybody's kind of waiting to see if you're going to run away from your first fight, if you're going to back them up, like, are you someone that they, you know, is going to support them? The prisoners, Absolutely, because if you walk into a cell, I mean, with everyone, you walk into a cell block, if you look scared or whatever with that many prisoners, like, they're calling that stuff out. First thing, like, they, they can smell, they can see it, they can smell it. Like, really? You know what I mean? Like, they know. You they know who they are new. They seize on anything. Yeah, especially the women. They oh, never see you be before. They'll be trying to be like, hey, they baby. Know. Snow Oops, bunny. That's what I got a lot. Oh, hey. Snow bunny. Girl. Can we change your name to that? <laughs> sure, I'll be Tony Snow bunny. <laughs> Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. After I left Supercourt, I went to all these other districts and I came back like a couple years ago and they were short on females for a Saturday. So I went to relive my old days and I worked Saturday at Raymond Court. So I was walking into the cell block and a couple of the, like I had been there maybe 10, 15 minutes and a couple of lockups were like, you're an old school deputy, huh, Marshall? Like they knew right away. Some of them recognize the you. Yeah. Did you personally feel that when you walked in, you were walking in with a different game face, that you were walking in with a different demeanor than when you did when you were 22? Oh, definitely. I mean, when you first walk in and you have to yell out 12 names in front of 200 prisoners, I mean, I know grown UFC men that would be like, well, that's terrifying. And you that's know? not something you practice at the academy. 
Okay. No, I mean, public speaking, I think, is like right. people's biggest fear, like before death or something right. stupid. So, right. I mean, imagine that in front of homicide suspects and you're the only chick. I mean, if you walked into a room and there were 500 people and then one girl, you're going to look at that girl. So that's what everyone's doing to you. Right. The prisoners, your coworkers. Guys aren't going to say to other guys like, uh, oh, OK, like, you, you know, you can hold your own. You're legit. It, the kind of thing where you get a certain work. amount of credibility because you're another guy. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and you don't need to validate yourself, basically. Um, prove yourself because it just happens. But, you know, you've got to prove yourself that you can hold, hold your own. What I heard about Deputy Marshal Valkyrie before I first met you was that you would jump in on anything. Like you'd be the first one. You don't even know what's going on yet, but when it required it, you were going to jump in. I felt that was important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, plus, I mean, in the moment, though, you don't really think about it. Like, it's just like, oh, shit. And you're like. But there's the person who's who's always, you know, the breacher that always wants to be first person in. And there's the person second. The person like, yeah, I'm going to get there. You know, I'll be third. But what was told to me about you was you are always your you're first person in. You're I just in. look at it like speed, like speed counts in a way. Like the quicker you can shut this down, right. like before but it that, gets out of control. But that bought you a certain amount of credibility with everyone, yes? I mean, I hope so. You also put a lot of pressure on yourself. Right. Oh, um, yeah. I definitely. You wanted your own courtroom. Oh, God. So I think I got annoyed that uh, domestic violence courtrooms at the time, it was 113, 114, and it's actually two courtrooms. They're next to each other, and there's one person for both courtrooms. How can, how can that possibly be? Because you made it work. Wait, what did one of your, your supervisors say to you? You went to... Uh, you went to handling school? Handle it. <laughs> Charlie Robert. Oh, God. He didn't want to put a female in there. So I fought for this courtroom. Uh, Not and, literally. And I, correct. And I got it. And to some extent, after the fact, like, in hindsight, okay, maybe what he said made sense. <laughs> so I'll admit that. Because you're working in courtrooms where, proportionally, it is more males that get to see in that courtroom. Uh, right now, there tends to be more male aggressors in domestic violence situations than females. Uh, so they don't take kindly to a female trying to tell them how to do something. Plus, sometimes you have the two parties in there. They like to fight. Like, that, the courtroom in general is just out of control. And on one particular day... No, it wasn't that one. Are you talking about uh, the fight when I was yeah. by myself? Oh, that was mental health courtroom. Okay. Oh, so I it was either this. mental health or drug because the person had both problems. Didn't you I was pull by your my hair out? Oh, God. So uh -huh. I got called up there to do a step back. I was by myself. So I, explain that again. You get called up to take somebody to So essentially arrest. it's a person that's come in off the street, out of custody, comes in for a court hearing, and they're screwing up bad enough that the judge is like, I can't continue to let you be on the street, essentially. You're a danger to the community, whatever. You're not doing what you're supposed to. We're going to take you into custody. So I go out there, and she's, like, waving her hands, and I basically have to drag, like, she's fighting already, drag her to get her into try and get her back to the cell block, and we made it through the first door. And again, I'm going to stop and say one person. Yes. This is, and, and one now, person, and today, and she was that on, doesn't happen again. And she was, like, schizophrenic and either on PCP or cocaine, because she had popped positive Dippers. at the time. So my main thing was, like, you can't let her leave, and you can't let her get to the judge. There's one door to get out of the courtroom, and you kind of get into this little, like, um, in-between room that the two courtrooms have before you get into the cell block. So I made it into that 
tiny little in-between room that's maybe like i don't even know closet size six feet by three feet or something kind of space and it was just on from that point like she was uh oh god it was you can hear her screaming like she's hitting me in the face like i'm telling her like stop (laughs) like it was just sad it sounds terrible i'm the blue man but like i'm hitting her i'm kneeing her like she is ripping out handfuls of my hair yeah at one point i like front kicked her we wind up going through like the drywall like into through like back into the one closet like it was just lasted for two minutes and 40 like six seconds so just under a literal three minute drill because no one was there the clerk never hit the panic button and so the only thing that saved me was a defense attorney what came from the other courtrooms to like talk to his client was like oh oh my god and like went into the courtroom to be like he uh, ran away could someone help her (laughs) and so finally then people came up but it was it it was full it was full on hitting choking I mean, I mean it was what's sad is because it's such a tiny space and the way we were wedged right. it wasn't like effective fighting right like i just felt like we were all up in each other's space so it's so kind of it like, like where you don't necessarily have to win you just necessarily have to survive yeah, I mean, I enough say, time i was gonna say i can't say i was using like all out force on her like i right. wasn't like because that was the whole thing. Like, I had control of the situation. My main thing was just waiting until someone, like, got there to some extent, which was probably stupid. I should have just ended it, but okay. <laughs> you know. But you were worse for the wear on this on Well, this I mean, it's just exhausting. I mean, for, right. you know. Well, you also had lo- lost tufts of hair. You don't have the benefit handfuls. of being on drugs. You wait, hand, handfuls. Of oh, it was of handfuls hair. that were, like, on the ground. Yeah. It was a lot. Okay. Well, one thing's about the force that it takes to pull hair out of a head. That That's, uh, that's not a little force. No. That's a what lot of force. Yeah. What <laughs> you play it. You're what like, is, yeah, whatever. Like, I mean, I Different day. Fights are never pretty. I don't know what to say. Like, they're always <laughs> ugly. I always feel, I mean, the main thing is like, just don't let me embarrass myself in this one. Like, that wasn't you that got the pen, the pencil, was it? No. Oh, oh my okay. God. That picture terrified me. Uh, they show you a picture in the academy, in the academy. Yeah. and it's a female deputy from Super Court, and she has a pencil, like, it's no, st- through her face. Yeah. Stabbed, like, in her face. And they're like, are any females going to super court? And you're like, Whoa. <laughs> I'll send it to you. Just before we, we progress too far away from it, I feel like I will get a lot of comments on this podcast if we don't go back to the vagina pen. No, oh, knife. Vagina knife. knife. Oh, oh, excuse me. I'm Sorry. Um, please enlighten us. I mean, it didn't happen to me right. to some extent. Well, I don't. Well, period. I was going to say, to period. a little extent. It didn't happen to me. I came into Subblock, like, after it had happened. But essentially, a woman came in, uh, and I think she had the nickname, like, the vampire or something. Like, she was a frequent MPD, was, like, had dealt with her multiple What's times. What's MPD? Uh, Metropolitan Police Department. Uh-huh. Uh, none of this, like, really had gotten passed on to us. So she came in. She was searched. Not by any of us. Not by any of us. Um, although I thought they had put her on the chair. No, the chair. No, we didn't use the chair. the chair. That's why we started using the chair after oh, okay. that happened. Uh, but so she'd been searched, gets placed back in a cell. A little bit later, a deputy goes back to get her for court, and she essentially sliced him with a knife on his upper arm that had been hidden in her vagina. Yeah. Yeah, that was also the weapon she had used in the ADW as well. What's ADW? Uh, assault, assault with a, a dangerous weapon. weapon. And, yeah. Okay. I feel like uh, she then said that she had AIDS. 
I think that she was the girl that bit me. No, him too. Because oh. he no, had to take I the think, cocktail. Well, he oh. wound up in general. So yeah, not only did he have to be worried about the actual wound, he then has to be worried about like STI, like all sorts of other things. Uh-huh. Uh, no, yeah. You know, I didn't think about that until you just AIDS said and it. hepatitis and... Yeah. Right. Now, you had to worry about that as well. And you yeah, received a, a cocktail. It was a li- I had been there a little while, a couple months at least. And there was... A- I mean, she was big. She was twice my size. I mean, she's bigger than I am nine months pregnant. She was big. And I, she was mouthy and she was fighting and I had held her like this. I had my foot holding, you know, uh, stepping on her leg chains so that, you know, she couldn't move up against the wall and my hand like this. And I thought I had her and I turned to yell to the male deputies to grab me some handcuffs. And when I did, she turned her head and took a big slice out of my arm and bit me. And so we all jumped on her. We got her handcuffed. We put her alone. We put a spit mask on her. And after I put the spit, it's not funny. It's funny now. Put the spit mask on her. She started, she made up a tune. She decided to sing a song. And the song was entitled, I have hepatitis. I have hepatitis. And I was like, okay, well, I need to leave. So I went to the hospital and I had to take the AIDS cocktail, take all the tests. And she actually got released from arraignment court before I even got out of the hospital. And yeah, take the AIDS cocktail. Back out on the street. Yeah. Yeah, she, she got released before I did. <laughs> but the fun didn't stop for you there. There was another issue that is unique to female deputy marshals. Yeah, I had an issue. I uh, Some of the judges would take really short lunch breaks. So you bring all your prisoners up and then they'd say, okay, I'm, we're going down for 20 minutes for lunch. Well, that's fine, but I have to re-handcuff 15 guys, bring them down, what, two or three flights in the elevator, put them all away, go out of the cell block, get my lunch, eat it, go back, get them all back again, (laughs) and bring them all back. That's 20 minutes right there, so we couldn't go to lunch. So what the male deputies would do while they were sitting there for the little break, and they had to go to the bathroom, was go in the cell in the back where the prisoners are. Well, I'm not going to go to the bathroom in front of male prisoners so I couldn't go to the bathroom and I didn't want to be one of those complaining females so I didn't want to call down and say hey it's storm and I have to go to the bathroom so someone has to come take my courtroom they'd be like this girl so I just held it and one day I was in court and I I was like it's freezing in here I was shaking and they were like I think you maybe have a fever you should probably go home So I went home, passed out, ended up in the ER, almost lost a kidney because I had a kidney infection because I would just hold it all day long and not go to the bathroom. And that's my story. And stick it to it. (laughs) I kept my kidney, barely. Good. Yeah, barely. I had to stay in the emergency room for two days, just pumping like fluids. These are things that nobody could ever conceive of that this would be an issue. That when you were a female deputy US Marshal, uh you can't go to the bathroom. No, and, and people are like, I mean, oh, that's... like, you're the only female, like, did you get hit on? Or like, did you get like sexually assaulted or abused? I'm like, no, I just couldn't pee. And they always bought the wrong size clothes for us. <laughs> like, those were our issues. Very right. different than what people think, I think. Yeah, the pee thing comes up a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like, in every aspect. Because like, if you're out doing warrants and you're doing surveillance and oh. you're sitting in a van, like, the guys can pee in a bottle. Yes. You can't. I mean, no. I guess you could try. It'd be <laughs> super difficult. Probably messy. Yes. A little embarrassing for everyone. Like, yes. Same thing, evictions. Like, 
they would all use the bathrooms, but they were gross. Or I they didn't would go outside. That's just, yeah. 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 These are one of the things that are unique yeah. to yes. being a... So you just wind up holding it for like eight hours. Yep. Okay. And being chronically dehydrated. But the Correct. first thing, yep. you t- the first thing as a parent you tell your kids is, don't hold it. That's bad. No, we do the opposite. If you take me on a road trip, like I could make it like four <laughs> states over at this point and not have she to go. go cross country. I get annoyed at this point at other people for having to. <laughs> I'm never traveling with you. <laughs> yeah, like I've been out with Rogue here, and she takes every opportunity to go. All right, are we still? Yeah, but that's smart. If you yes. can, oh no, no, I was gonna, I was saying that that was a smart because I, you don't know when you're going I to have drink it again. a lot yeah. of water. Yes, so. you carry around a Yeti. Uh, yeah. You carry around a Yeti. It is a water bottle. It is a weapon. That is a formidable uh, I'll take thing. a sip now. <laughs> Actually, the protests this summer were a perfect example of bathroom bombs. Because same thing. Well, uh, yeah. Because we were out there for like 12 hours. It was hard to establish. <laughs> And and, and and not every they then they just don't plan for that. It's like people who are doing the most basic planning don't say, okay, I got to make sure that my people have. Uh... I mean, usually, I no, not all the time. And sometimes it's just the situation of either it's just easier for you guys to make do. Especially if there's only one, you're not gonna make a whole plan because yes. she's the only chick out there. Everyone else will just pee in a bush. So I'm not gonna make my a whole separate plan just for Valkyrie. So of I all the things, <laughs> but also think, like we we responded to the January sixth, um, and I remember responding, and you're there, you know, late at night, and you can't plan for that. Um, right. You know, you're being told all of a sudden, hey, I need you to respond within the hour because then you're going to go here downtown. Um, well, plus things are constantly changing. Locations yeah. changing. Like if you're actively doing something, obviously you're not going to be like in the middle of something. Yeah. You, you can't say, oh, wait, can we stop so I can take a bathroom? Time break? out. Yeah. Everyone stop what they're doing. <laughs> I got to be. Like, Protesters work. don't cross the line. Yeah. I've got to go. Yeah. Yeah. This is not the glamorous side that usually gets talked about. I feel like about law enforcement. It's at all. not. At like all. half the time I have to pee. I'm sweaty. <laughs> yes. I like Smell barely bad. brush my hair in the morning. Who told right. you it was glamorous? I was being slightly I was being I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> By the way, have you, have you had a, had any deliveries uh, in Superport? Mm, that one was a purposeful knock on wood. Okay, thank um, you for that. No, we I think we've come we've been able to get rid of them essentially. <laughs> like, not we didn't off them. I yes. just, <laughs> I, for, for clarification, I don't think anyone listening is going to go quick. Hide the pregnant yeah. woman. <laughs> no, I mean it's just no. Thankfully, like. You know, we found out in time that they've been taken to the hospital or yes. whatever. And we haven't had to deal with it. Or whatever. Or we offer them. Well, there's no, no hospital no. that we, we're going to get. I'm sorry. Or basically we ask them the questions right. and get enough information that we don't accept them to begin right. with. You picked the wrong day to come in. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to. Go. We're going to have to off you. Today's not going to work. For us. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. We've had suicides in the courthouse. Oh, when the guy yeah. jumped off the, the okay. third floor. Well, yeah. now you just, I mean, I didn't, I, I wouldn't have even thought to ask this. We have overdoses in the bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, not often. Well, don't, but. wait, don't, don't glide over the suicide because that's, I mean, obviously that's horrible, but it's, it's horrible in a way that I could see from your perspective. It's like, what else? It's a new day, and there's going to be something else that any anything that I mention, anybody listening to this podcast is going to go. That's horrible. Like that, even one just, little thing is 
horrible, but there is a is a, a what you're dealing with is it's just a string of them. There's just a, so, a, a yes. massive a number of them. Stuff it's it's always something. Essentially. Yeah, you almost get used to. I so I think that's part of the issue. Like that's in some way why I came back. I left thinking I'm done with the chaos. I need a slower pace, and then I got that, and I didn't know what to do with myself. Like I didn't know what to do with a life with no chaos. Yes, <laughs> essentially, and I came back. But you, I mean, that's it's just the way it is. It's literally always something. That's what I was saying. Like when we first came in last week, we had a car stand fire outside, and then it was the next day. They hit a gas line, like gas main out back, and we had to evacuate everyone out of the thing. Like, it's just always something. Wow. So, and that's just working in Supercourt is just one of the assignments that you do. The other two, which are warrants, explain the warrant squad. Uh, warrants is essentially a group of people that go after individuals that have warrants out on them for either failure to appear, occasionally, you know, original warrants that we get from MPD, but. They're basically going out every day trying to arrest people. And then, and this is a hard one. It has to be done, but it's it's got to be heartbreaking evictions. Well, you have to remember, too, I mean, in order to get to the point of an eviction, right. this has gone beyond what most people think. They haven't, some of these people have not paid rent for a year. And then not right. only that, we would have, what, four, four or five squads, and you each had... 20 evictions a day on your list originally? 12. I think it was usually 12. 12. Oh, 12. I'm sorry. And then of those 12, all these things had to be met. Couldn't be more than 50% chance of rain, and it couldn't be hotter than this or colder than this. And uh -huh. So half the days they were canceled. If the landlord hasn't hired somebody to get in the house, like a locksmith or somebody who's going to break the door, because we don't do that, right. then the eviction's canceled. If they don't have a crew to take the items in the home out, and make them accessible to the person, the eviction's canceled. So uh -huh. you have to understand, by the okay. time we've gotten the eviction, I would say 80% of these people have already left. I mean, there were certain instances where, obviously, it was difficult to put a person out. But there were definitely times where you could tell the person's actions had led up to that. It, the hardest part, to some extent, was seeing children, especially you see people uh, at their worst points in life, and you also see kind of a window into people's lives that probably right. a lot of people don't because you're you know catching them unaware you're being allowed into their house whatever but so you get to see how they're treating their kids and when you see how some of these kids are treated like they're crawling around in animal feces or are filthy or aren't fed or are you know being ignored or living with bed bugs crawling all around them or mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. or same thing with animals like uh, there were times we'd walk in and there are animals that are being starved or chained chain under the sink or mm. whatever. You just see all these things and, you know, it's not pretty. I, I remember one, um, there was a, a woman who clearly was down on her luck. She had tried everything. Um, and this one was really sad. And, and she had been making phone calls during the day. And you're technically supposed to go down your list one by one um, and go in that order. We could tell this woman was trying everything she could. Um, so we skipped over her to go to her at the very end of the day, completed all the other mm -hmm. evictions, because by the time it came to the end of the day, she had, was able to get that little bit of money that she needed in order to continue living there. Mm -hmm. And so we, we do have hearts. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people, like, we do care. Um, and so that when, when people are truly trying, um, you, you want to work with them. but. We see a side of other people 
that they don't care um, and, and they don't want to do anything about it. So, well, you find, I mean, so we always start every eviction being respectful, trying to be understanding, being polite, et cetera, as mm-hmm. helpful as we can be, whatever. And then based on the person, it goes from there. I mean, yeah. some of these people you find out, though, have been evicted, like that's their thing, like have been evicted four or five times previously. It doesn't do, you know, and you do feel for, you know, people who are, are landlords that have income properties that they don't know how to pay yes. their yes. taxes. Yeah, I mean, that's so, the I flip mean, side. You, know. you also see landlords sometimes, though, that their place is being destroyed. They haven't been being paid. Like, they're at their wit's end. So you see both sides. Right, yeah. right. You, you, you might go to one eviction and the guy was a sublet and he has been paying his rent and oh. just that person never paid the rent in. And that's like heartbreaking because this guy's paying rent, every single girl. So you're basically rent. just being robbed. You're basically and, being wrong. We, and we still homeless. have to evict them. Or you could go to the next eviction, which the eviction squad had. It wasn't one of mine. but And the woman had killed all of her children and had them in the home when they went and they showed up and they were wrapped up like mummies in the home. So you go to eviction one and you feel bad for the guy to go to eviction two, you have three dead bodies of children. So you never know what you're going to get. So you you got to get used to being up, yeah. down, up, I, down. I, I, or the next one, the guy's trying to stab himself when you walk in. Yeah. yeah. Or the hoarder woman that took oh, not- days and days or yes. lined up 10 streets long of all her things. Oh, I remember, remember that, that was all in the news. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, you never know what you're going to walk into. You you could walk in to do an eviction, and that guy's actually somebody that the warrant squad wants. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Surprise warrants. So much fun. Yeah. <laughs> so here you think you're doing an eviction, but you're actually just executed a warrant. Right. So you just never know what you're going right. to get. So you gotta got to be ready to be really low and understanding of people or then be really high and very right. you know direct with people. That's what I need you to do. I think that's the stress. In a yeah. way, is you have to be so flexible. You have to like up, down, up, down, up, down. Like right. you can't plan no. or prepare. I think it might be very fitting to say thank you to everybody after we hear. You didn't think I was gonna end this without that? I thought we might get. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it is extraordinary what you went through, and 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 horrible and important for people to know some of the unique things that female deputy marshals have faced and and overcome. I think it's a fitting way to end things if uh, you would tell everybody what happened to you executing one particular warrant. Okay. Um, So we had gotten a warrant for an individual for FTA. uh, I believe the original charge was rape and kidnapping. Uh, so our little group was like, okay, we'll meet up in the morning. First thing, go out. Um, we had like our set crew of kind of like three, four of us total. Um, and so what we knew prior to going in was the guy had worked for the state department as a linguist. Uh, I think he was from Mauritania, I want to say his wife also worked for the state department. Um, there were some rumors that maybe he worked for the CIA, but um, nothing confirms it. And then also, I guess he had made threats to the State Department, possibly about bombing or whatever, but they had investigated it, found it to be un- unsubstantiated. Uh, so we meet up the next morning, and um, the morning was just one of those days that it just, from the get-go, wasn't going the way that it should have. Uh, one of the individuals who is always late 
every single day it was late was on time. Uh, and then one of the people who's always early was running late. So we made the call to go ahead and we were going to go just sit at the address, uh, keep an eye on it until the fourth person could get there. While we were there, we uh, MPD actually wound up responding uh, code to something occurring down the block. That means sirens, light sirens, sirens, the whole yeah. the whole show screeching down the street. And so we were like, if the guy's in there and he hears the stuff, like he's going to get spooked, he's going to flee, whatever. And sure enough, like we had been watching the window to what we th- were pretty sure was the apartment, and the window opens. We saw like an arm, window open, window closed. And we're like, okay. The other, the fourth individual was like a few minutes out at this time. So we went in, the wife actually met us on the stairway cause it was like a second floor, I believe apartment. Initially she was like, haven't seen him, haven't seen him, haven't seen him, whatever. Finally she like said, well, you can come up to the apartment, whatever. So we go into the apartment. The other two individuals I was with were speaking to her. I went and was like, just kind of keeping the daughter company and whatever we're talking, it was Christmas time. And the daughter was like, oh, daddy was just here. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh God, okay. And so pretty much at the same time when the other guys came back, I mentioned that and they were like, well, she just said he was just here. And we're like, oh crap he might have like went out the back door or something. So we go downstairs and behind the address is a car wash. One of the guys was like, I'm going to go show him his picture to the car wash. The same time, the other guy and I noticed that there was a doorway. We thought maybe just like a basement. So we go down there, it's pitch black. We're going down the stairs, can't see anything. We like kind of hear like what we thought, I thought at least was like water trickling or something, mm. but it was like a creepy sub basement. Didn't think too much of it, kind of smelled something, but there was a whole rack with like cans or something again, like, okay. So we get down to the bottom and there was like this pit in the center of the basement, like a deep pit, big pit. So basically there was only like a border of like a couple feet going around it that you could walk unless you want to actually step down into the pit. Mm -hmm. So our option was we could have kept going kind of like straight, like along the one wall and then we didn't like that angle to see him, or we could have peeled around close to the stairs to see under the stairs. And so we peeled around that way, and there was a guy sitting underneath the stairs uh, with his knees drawn up. Uh, and we started yelling at him, giving commands, because, you know, I thought it was probably our guy, but I can't see anything but like the top of his head or anything. So nothing mm-hmm. confirms and he's not doing anything and then all of a sudden he starts dumping this can of gas on himself uh so we couldn't tease him couldn't do anything so in that split second i'm not gonna second guess myself at this point but i was like oh hell no and like we jumped on him basically started rolling around with him um and we're wrestling rolling around and all of a sudden uh, the entire world like exploded, like everything just went on fire. And uh, I broke free because I was on fire. Um, and I remember being like, "Oh shit! Like I've I've got to get this out." And so I um, was trying to get it out. I was like, "I have to make all actions need to like be deliberate. I can't like." Basically, I was afraid. I remember looking down at my wrist at one point, and it looks like 
oil and water. Like, it looks like I could see my skin slide. And I was like, I'm going to lose my hands. Like, I would, I can't die in this basement. That would be super embarrassing for my family. I was worried about embarrassing my family and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm not going to fucking die. So I, like, focus, I get the fire out. Don't breathe in too heavily because I was worried about, like, singeing my lungs. Like, there's all this. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird because it's, like, time's going by so slowly and but so quickly at the same time. Like, it's just bizarre. Uh, and he was there, and but I couldn't exactly see because I think he was completely on fire and everything was still on fire. And I remember, like, my gun being so hot. Uh, and I well, actually dropped it. But so I was like, I have to get out of the basement. I got out of the basement, but I basically had to go through, like, more fire. And thankfully, like, uh, the other person had made it out I guess at that time had started to come back to get me. Uh, and so I remember like the moment the door opened, maybe from like the oxygen or whatever, it felt like kind of like stuff went on fire again. I lost like my eyelashes and my hair and stuff. Uh, and I got out, I got out of the basement and I found, out, yeah. And later like I found out like the trigger safety had melted on my gun like around, so it was completely inoperational. Like all this fun stuff. Thankfully, it was winter, and I'd been wearing like my since I'm always cold a bazillion layers, so that had helped me a lot. But mm-hmm. yeah. But you you were taken to the hospital, and you, you yes. going to the ICU. Yes. Yep. And you yeah. were suffering. Uh, so initially, like I went to the ICU because I had like they you know saw evidence of singeing in my airways. Um, like I said, my eyelashes had burned off the front part. Well, like I had really long hair at that time. So it was pretty much like shoulder length. The front part of my hair had burned off. I think my eyes had like scratches on them from whatever. And then I had, uh, burns to primarily like my right wrist hand, the lower portion of my right leg, but some burns on my left hand and face. You went to the hospital. Yeah, I was there maybe... 15 minutes after she had got there and I walked in I'm like hey buddy how you doing you looking good and she's like fuck you real loud with her both fingers up even though she was all there and she's like hey and kept going I was like I love her so I knew she was okay because I knew if she was like really nice or really calm hi honey then I would have been really worried but she gave me a big FU so I knew that she was okay Uh I'm glad I don't remember that you you did real big (laughs) then I knew you were okay thanks how long did you spend in the hospital uh it was before Christmas I'm also like the worst patient ever (laughs) like I don't want to do anything you tell me like I don't want to be there just like get me out of here I was telling everyone like I'm gonna be back at work in a month I was way off um but so thankfully I had my first surgery after the first surgery they uh like coordinated with the hospital close to home so that I could go home for the holidays and then I had to come back, have a second surgery. So you were having skin, like skin grafts? Yes. Yep. Because even your description, I think it, it sounds like you were downplaying it just a, just a little bit. Okay, well, fine. So I had second <laughs> and third degree burns. Um, yeah. To I mean, this is bad. This was, it, I mean, what you survived is extraordinary. It sucks. I was really worried for a period of time, even after the first surgery, that I was going to lose either my right hand or right foot because I had gotten almost uh, burns entirely, like, around the areas. And so I was worried about, like, compartment, like, stuff, like, blood and stuff, fluid, like, wasn't getting necessarily where it was supposed to go. 
And so there's a period of time I was like kind of freaking out about that. But So I remember um, the day, the, the very first day, and showing up to the hospital um, and being very mad because you'd walk into the ICU and Deputy Valkyrie was all the way like around the table, around the nurse's station um, on the far left, but you had to walk past the guy that lit her on fire um, as you as you first walk in, and he's there, DC jail, sitting on him. And I just remember being so mad that the two of them had to be in in the same unit, that mm-hmm. she had to be there getting treatment, knowing that that guy was directly across. Um, to me, it just didn't seem fair. Um, it didn't seem right. Yeah. Um, but um, I do remember showing up after that, uh, Deputy Storm and I, um, we spent a day um, cooking. We made lasagna. We made fudge, a bunch of other things, because we knew that um, family was in town and other people were there. And you don't want to eat hospital food all the time. So we showed up to the hospital with with a bunch of food um, to, to try to help out. I didn't eat hospital food once, actually. I just thought about that. Oh, good. Not once. That's how it Sorry. should be. Sorry, hospital. <laughs> and I've heard that you have a detail that sits yes, all we, 24-7? At the, um, both of them. Yeah, you sit you sit outside the hospital room just so that they're never alone, I guess. Well, also because the guy's brother yeah. would come and stand outside my hospital room. Yeah, the, the subject's brother. So, so we I think wanted they were to like, make sure we protected her. I think we were like, meh. Maybe Let's we'll. just stay all night, just in case. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Valkyrie doesn't have to fight all over again. But there was a ton of people there helping us. Yeah, yeah. the the DC Firefighters Burn Association were some of the nicest people I have ever dealt with. Um, they actually fairly quickly on they came, they introduced themselves, they wound up giving me clothing so I didn't have to wear the terrible hospital gown. Um, they provided food for people. Um, yeah, they brought pizza. And- yeah, they put my mom up. They have like a section of the hospital, I guess, that they use as a hotel for whenever their guys mm-hmm. get injured and then for their families to stay. Um, so they put my mom up in the hotel so she had a place to stay when she was there. Yeah. Tip of the hat to uh, yes, thank you. the firefighters. Thank you all. <laughs> yeah. And how long were you out for? From work? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was completely out for like five to six months and then I came back on light duty and was on light duty for a few months and then. Yeah. Which kind of speaks to the extent of what you went through. Did you consider like, you know, maybe this was it or. Apparently not considering I was telling everyone I was going to be back to work in a month. (laughs) Yeah. That's what you tell people. But, but did you go through, this is not for me? No, no. I was really actually worried that the longer I stayed out, though, the harder it would be. I was on the diving team in college, right? Before I actually got to the diving team, I wanted to learn how to dive, and I hit my face on the board pretty bad. Uh, and I remember after that happened, I was like, okay, I got to get back up on the board quick because it gets harder. Like, the more you, like, let this fear or whatever grow, like, the worse it's going to be. So you just got to nip it in the bud. And I thought the same thing with this. Like, if I can get back out there and whatever go in a freaking dark basement and just get it done with then i can nip it in the bud and it won't you know won't be as much of an issue and and how long ago was that the incident Mm -hmm. 2010 so you never look back that's a i think an extraordinarily inspiring story thank Uh, you i don't look at it that way i just don't i mean i don't think 
the fact like I survived right but I don't I don't know I feel like that's what any person would do really deputy marshals of the MCU thank you for sharing your stories today if you like this podcast and I hope you do I mean how could you not in fact you know what F you if you don't because this is amazing we've rubbed off on you (laughs) Subscribe to this channel. Give us a five-star rating. A glowing review would really help. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell anyone who will listen. Help us spread the word. It would be much appreciated. And finally, Chasing Evil is produced with the cooperation of the United States Marshal Service and contains interviews with current and retired employees as well as other persons. Opinions, positions, and views expressed by any of them may not reflect the official views, positions, or policies of the United States Marshal Service. Stay safe, everyone. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.